I'm Jim Juno, and this is Lights, Camera, Author. On October 20th, 1882, future actress Margaret Dumont was born in Brooklyn, New York. A Broadway regular by the 1920s, Dumont found lasting fame once she started appearing with the Marx Brothers. Tall and regal and bearing, her character provided the perfect foil for the wise-cracking Groucho Marx in a series of films including A Night at the Opera and Duck Soup. Dumont's life is examined in the upcoming book, Straight Lady, The Life and Times of Margaret Dumont, the Fifth Marx Brother, by Chris Enns and Howard Kazanjian. I talk with Chris Enns about the new book. Talking with Chris Enns, she has a new book coming out called Straight Lady, The Life and Times of Margaret Dumont, the Fifth Marx Brother, which that's what she's best known for, but she was doing a lot more than she starred with the Marx Brothers in seven movies, but there was a lot more to her than that, wasn't there, Chris? Oh, my stars. Margaret Dumont was just on fire. She, um, I, I, she was this amazing theatrical star for a number of years before she you know, got anywhere near motion pictures. She was, um, she was on stage and, and funny, a funny, funny actress, um, just an amazing talent. Um, you don't really recognize when you think of Margaret Dumont, what automatically comes to mind is not necessarily her work on stage or the fact that she had this incredible soprano voice and was cast in a number of Broadway shows and a favorite of George Cohen's. So um, I just think that that's really fascinating. Her life prior to the Marx Brothers was... Um, just I, I learned an awful lot about her, and I thought that it just made her more likable to me. Yeah, and I didn't realize she was in 57 movies mm. um, with some of the biggest stars. Uh, not, oh, my gosh. And she, did, she did seven, I think it was seven movies with the Marx Brothers. Right. And But 50 other movies, with some with W.C. Fields, some with uh, Evan Costello, some with... Uh, what the biggest stars of the, of the era? Shirley MacLaine. Yeah. She was with Bing Crosby. She was with Frank Sinatra. Um, one of my favorite movies that she did was Sunset uh, in El Dorado, um, which was with um, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. Um, Sunset in El Dorado, excuse me, Sunset in El Dorado, Roy Rogers and Dale Evans. And I thought she did a great job in that because, I mean, that's a unique film anyway with the cast members playing dual roles. And um, Dale plays, uh, I'm sorry, um, Margaret plays Dale Evans' aunt. And um, also she plays a couple of different roles. So it's really good. It's And she's, you know, Margaret DeMont is very funny too. I mean, um, people don't necessarily think of Margaret DeMont as being funny because she was a straight lady. And because for so many years, Groucho said she never got his jokes, but gosh, that's just not, that's absolutely, they can't, they can't be true. No, and, can't that, be. and being a straight person uh, in a comedy team, you've got to have impeccable timing. That's what made Bud Abbott so, so valuable right. uh, to Lou Costello and also Oliver Hardy to, uh, to uh, and Laurel and Hardy. Their timing right. has to be, has to be spot on. And if you don't understand the humor, there's no way you're going to have a good time. No, and I think it's always interesting, too, where um, people would, you know, I don't think they do that so much nowadays, but 
but certainly when um, Margaret Dumont was was working as often as she was, they would refer to her as the stooge. They referred to a lot of straight people as stooges. And Margaret would say, and I'm not a stooge, I'm a straight lady. And it takes it takes a great deal of effort and acting to be a good straight lady. And I'm a good straight lady. So if it appears as though I don't get the joke, just, you know, uh, chalk that up to me doing a good job at acting. That's right. and, and Groucho himself perpetuated that, that, that uh, stereo, I want to say stereotype. I mean, he said it, I, I know he said it to Dick Cabot, and then he repeated it when he was accepting his honorary Oscar. That's right. When he received the Academy Award in 1974, he says it again. But God bless him. You know, he does acknowledge her work when he accepts the Academy Award and says there was no better straight lady than, than Margaret. And, that, and you cannot have a good comedy team without a straight person. Right. You know? right. And tell me, how did, how did she get started? Well, she was, she was born in to uh to uh want to say the entertainment parents weren't wasn't she <clears throat> well she um her father was um uh, a sea captain okay and her, her mother was uh, a french woman who was um she taught voice she taught um you know elocution and voice and um she was incredibly talented but um her name, actually, Margaret was born Daisy Juliet Baker, and uh, the um, French version for Daisy, Daisy is Margaret. So that's where Margaret, the name Margaret comes from. But she is born Daisy uh, Julie, Juliet Baker, and her father, as I said, was a, was a sea captain. Her mother was a French woman and a music teacher. And um, a lot of times you will see Margaret is born on October 20th, 1882. And a lot of the times when you see any kind of um, from to publicity about her, whenever they're doing a story, I saw a story where Jane Pauley was talking about Margaret Dumont being born in 1890. And that's just, that's just not true. There's a, there's a lot of misnomers about her um when she was born, and that's because she's born, he's, she's born out of wedlock. Her parents were not wow. married. Um, her father was married to another woman. So he and um, her mother, Harriet, her mother's name is Harriet. So, so William and Harriet were having an affair, and he was still married when um, when Daisy is born. And they don't get married. He, um, he gets found out right after right after uh, Daisy is born and his wife divorces him three years later than he and uh, Margaret Dumont's mother, Mary. And they're only married for three years. And um, she then divorces him. She divorces him in, in 1888. And then she marries Margaret's mother, marries a gentleman by the name of uh, he's a he's a scenic artist and working on vaudeville shows and other Broadway productions, but his name was John Robert Levison. And, um, and so from, from that early age, I mean, she's, by that time she's eight years old when, when her mother marries uh, Levison. And uh, she spends, Margaret spends a lot of time at the theater. Um, now she's already really properly trained in voice because of what her mother does. And she has this amazing soprano range her mother wanted to be an opera, wanted her to be an opera star, but she had no interest in that. She um, she did go on stage and start singing, and she's she's performing 
at the age of eight and working alongside great comedy troops like uh, McDowell and Stevens Company. So, you know, she's she's really on her way at a very, very young age. And um, she she spends her early years in school at the Laredo Academy in Niagara Falls, Ontario. And the reason why her mother sends her to um, to Canada to be schooled uh, with with the nuns is so no one will question um, how old she is, how old she really is, and who her parentage is, because her mother didn't really want to give that information. So um, her mother had a hand in, in not telling the truth about what was really going on with her <laughs> early life. So. But, and then she goes and she becomes, before she even gets on film, she's a, she's a successful uh, Broadway actress, isn't she? She is. She's um, well. She she teams up with her sister. She does this great. She does this great play in 1895 called Under the Gaslight, which she's spectacular in. And um, she then afterwards starts teaming up with her sister. She has a younger sister, um, and and her sister and her they go traveling all over the place. They team up. Her sister um, is uh, named Hattie. And they go on stage and they're known as the Dumont sisters. So they're traveling all over as the Dumont sisters. And um, they are represented by uh, a burlesque company. And at that point, I mean, they're young, they're young girls. So it was yeah. really quite scandalous for them to be represented by a burlesque company and for them to be, I mean, they were very popular. And so, their mother was quite furious with the fact that they were these teenagers working uh, for different vaudeville houses represented by a burlesque um, company. And they didn't, she, their mother didn't want them really to be as on stage and to be as popular as they were. And so their mother uh, tried to get them to, uh, to stop doing what they were doing and tried to get the burlesque company to say, listen, we can't have these young teenage girls working with us, but they were so popular. No one was going to do that, uh, especially not um, Daisy or Hattie. I mean, Daisy at that point, this was in uh, 1901. Daisy's making $6 and 50 cents a week. And her sister Hattie is making, who's also known as Dorothy is also making $3 and 50 cents a week. So they're making good money. They're working constantly and then no one will intercede. And so in August of 1901, their mother files suit against the burlesque company and subsequently against the girls to get them to stop, to cease and desist. Um, but the, the courts find in favor of the girls. And so the mother, and that, that, that puts a wedge between um, uh, Margaret and her mother forever. I mean, Mar uh, Margaret's mother was, um, she was quite the entertainer as well. And so Margaret maintained that the reason why her mother was making all this fuss is because she was too old to be on stage. So, uh, you know, that didn't go well when you say that kind of thing in court. Um, so they, they didn't have a good relationship at that <laughs> point, from that point forward. So she was over the hill by age 20. Isn't that interesting? They thought, yeah, well, well, her mother was a lot older than that, but but they said that her mother, who at that point was in her 30s, was over the hill. But wow. how interesting is that? Because Margaret really doesn't get her start in film until she's 40, in her 40, in her early 40s, you know? So, 
talk about, I mean, I guess, I, I guess um, things change as time goes on. You soften. I mean, um, I think one of Daisy's or Margaret's very first major success on Broadway was in a play called The Girl Behind the Counter. She sings this amazing song called I Want to Be Loved Like a Leading Lady. And she does that on stage in 1908. And people just come out of everywhere to see the show. And she tours around with the show. And that's one of the very first times that George, and, George M. Cohan uh, sees her and wants to cast her in future shows. And that's exactly what happens. Cohan says, I've got this great play that I want to write for you. Of course, that is something that she takes advantage of very later on in her life because um, when she's um, in 1910, she marries for the one and only time a gentleman by the name of John, John Moeller Jr. Now you just stop me because I'm prattling on. That was my next question is that she married, yeah. she married uh, John Moeller, but, and so she, so she came into money. I say that he was a sugar, he was a sugar, uh, Error. Right. Uh, Absolutely correct. You think that she comes into money. Yeah. You think that that's how it first starts out that she comes into money. Uh, I mean, uh, John Moeller Jr., um, his father, senior, and the grandfather were also the sugar refinery, were heads of the sugar refining industry and were making lots of money. And um, John Moeller Jr. was a uh, golf champion. So he, he toured all over the world playing golf and he was very, very good at it. Uh, but he was 40 years old when he married Margaret. She was 27. And so, um, it, you know, it's, it, it was an interesting relationship. They, she loved him very much. But when you thought that they were going to be into lots of money, maybe, maybe a year or so after they um, are married, uh, John Moeller Sr., um, decides that he's going to divorce his John Moeller's wife, who he'd been married to a long time. He divorces her and he marries this young chippy. And the young chippy says, no more money for John Moeller Jr. He gets right. nothing. And so John Moeller has to sue his father for money. He said, you know, I would have been working a long time ago, but you set me up in this lifestyle where I wasn't going to have to work. And now here I'm in my forties and I can't work. Who's going to hire me in my forties? I mean, keep in mind, this is uh, 1912 and uh, 40 is, um, that might as well have been 80 back then. That's you know, <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. And, so, but, and then he dies quite, uh, it, suddenly. Yeah, he dies on uh, Christmas Eve in 1918 um, from the flu epidemic. I mean, it's 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 run it runs rampant in the New York area, and he passes away, and she's just absolutely brokenhearted. I mean, Margaret retired from the stage when she married him. She didn't stay, didn't continue working. Um, she retired and and devoted herself to her husband and was very much in love with them. So she's devastated. And it takes her a good couple of years before she decides that she's going to come out of retirement. And that's when George M. Cohen comes calling again. Cohen comes calling again and uh, casts her. Um, he, he sees her in a play called 50-50, which is in 1920. And he, he casts her and, um, a play that he wrote called Mary. 
in which she's going to be singing the lead songs. And she does. I mean, it's very popular. And so the lead songs from that particular, that, that stage play, everybody's buying up the sheet music. People want to come to the place to see Margaret. I mean, she really had a spectacular voice. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, and I want to go back to touching on the, on the fact that um, Margaret is recognized so often as being, um, as, and I, I include this in the book, all the different awards or a note that she received in different newspapers celebrating her as this amazing comedic songstress actress, which I wanted to mention that because that flies in the face of, of um, Groucho insisting for so many years she wasn't funny. She didn't get his jokes. Right. You can't rise to that level, especially Vaudeville's huge at that point. You can't rise to the level of being somebody recognized as being one of the top comedic songstress and actress, actresses in the business, uh, being very funny if you don't get jokes. Right, and, and when it came time, <clears throat> tell me how, tell me how they, she finally meets up with, with Marx Brothers, not for the film Coconuts, but, but for the uh, Broadway production of it. Right. She's doing a play. First, she, the first person that, that gets her involved in that was George Kaufman. Yes. Kaufman is, uh, did you say Kaufman? And I just didn't hear you say Kaufman. No, they, just... uh, uh, they met up, they met up for the, for the uh, stage version of the coconuts. Right. But Kaufman, he knows of her and he's this amazing playwright too in Broadway. He knows of Margaret and he goes to see her in this play called The Four Flusher. And she's so funny. He cannot stop laughing at her. And so he realizes at that point, she's he's already started to work on the coconuts because he's worked with the Marx Brothers. And he decides we've got to hire her. So she's one of the very first people that they hire for the coconuts. And you're right. They do the stage plays for the coconuts. And um, it's funny in an interview with uh, Groucho at the time when they're putting, and this was in 1925. So they're putting together the stage play and they're doing interviews in New York and, and, and all of the um, Boston, all the places that are really interested in theater, they're doing several interviews and they, they talk to Groucho and they ask him if he ever, if he ever knew of Margaret, what he knew of Margaret beforehand. And he said, Oh my gosh, of course, she was almost as big of a star as we were. He says, everybody was crazy about Margaret Dumont. We would, would have been fools not to have her in our first project, one of our first projects. So, and then, you know, yeah, go ahead. She's just, she's, just a, she's just a powerhouse. And so it's her comedic timing. It's her music. It's her stoic presentation. It's her, it's her grand presentation. She had the most amazing posture. And that was um, her, her mother always instilled that in her, that you must have this, this incredible posture. And if you ever see anything that Margaret does, she carries herself across the room. Her, her back is straighter. Her shoulders are back. And I think that's worth mentioning, too, because certainly you don't see any of the Marx Brothers film where you just don't get this, this regal presentation. I mean, one would think that she is... Um, of, of British royalty. 
And because... it's, it's, it's in such contrast with Groucho's bent over walking right. and, you know, and the cigar and, and the rolling eyes. When he is chaos in person, in incarnate, you know, and right. there is, there is uh, Margaret Dumont, like you said, straight laced, straight backed, um, right. you know, very, 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 um, I don't know. What right very, very formal. Very, very formal, yes. Very formal, yeah. And, and, you know, she's at this point, as I said before, she's 42 years old. She's 42 years old now when they're doing coconuts on stage. And um, it, they're, they're on stage doing coconuts for nine months. So they get to know one another very well. And um, one of the stories I share in the book is they're, they're doing coconuts for nine months on stage in a variety of different locations. And um, they take a train from point A to point B. And they are, uh, Margaret, is is in one of her berths on the train and she's trying to sleep. Oh my god. And she story. has she has do you know the story? I'm gonna let you tell it. Okay. <laughs> um she she has in her berth, she's got an alarm clock to, to make sure that she you know gets up on time. And um Harpo, well they take turns between Harpo and Chico going in and setting the alarm to go off every hour on the hour. And it's just, it's just hilarious how many times they get up they get up and keep doing this. So she just she's awake the whole night for the most part. She doesn't get any real rest. So when she arrives at the at the depot where their next stage is going to be, she's just dragged out and tired. I don't know why they are equally as tired because there's no way they could have gotten any sleep either, getting <laughs> up constantly and changing the alarm. I think it makes them uh, really mad. <laughs> yeah, but I just thought that that. That is, that's indicative of the kind of thing that they did to her all the time. Um, you, you know, they just were, one of the things that she did when they were making coconuts, because she would be on stage and, and she, she had, to, she, she wore this corset made of well, whale bone. And it wasn't, she didn't want to wear necessarily anything that, that constricting or, or that, um, it, you know, it was just, it was, it's really hard on the edges, but, but she did so because, you know, they had a ha bad habit of ad-libbing. She always knew all of her lines and could keep everybody on point because she knew her lines, which is why she was able to come back to what the original line was whenever they go meandering off, off a book. And, but then whenever somebody would say Q, they would forget their line and they would say Q once in a while she would say Q because she's just where, what is going on? I don't know what's happening. They would, they would hit her in the side or poke her in the side with a pool Q. And so she was, she was battered and bruised a lot. So that's why she said, I'm, I'm from now on, I'm going to get rid of any of the, the niceties that I have on under my costume and well, and wear this whale bone corset. Basically, with self defense. Yeah, self defense, and and that wasn't the last time she had to do something like that. I mean, as the career as her career went on with the men, um, she was constantly having to uh, find different ways to protect herself because um, they go from doing coconuts, which was very well received, to doing animal crackers, um, and in animal crackers, 
there's a there's a scene where Harpo has to pretend like he punches her in the stomach, but on stage, he act, he's actually really giving it to her, not punching her so hard that it would knock the wind out of her, but he really is giving it to her. Cause he, you know, he said, first of all, it made the audience laugh and whatever made the audience laugh, they would do more, you know, they just would add on. Um, and poor, poor Margaret, she just got the, got the brunt of this all the time. Um, but she, she was a good sport. I want to jump ahead a little bit because um, we were talking, you know, we're talking with uh, with Chris Evans on her new book, uh, Straight Lady: The Life of Margaret Dumont, and there, near near the well, at the very end of her life, mm. she reunited with Groucho on television on Hollywood Palace. Right. Um, and I remember reading a story that Groucho said that he wanted to have her on. You bet your life, but she wouldn't come on without being paid, which they couldn't do. Well, they 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 could do that, but they, they he wasn't going to. He's very he was very cheap. He was also okay. the producer of the show, so he wasn't going to pay her. He felt as though she she should do it for free because it was him. And I I've seen Harpo on those on those old shows of. And I can understand his his uh, his saying that you know because oh we've done all these movies together but no this is a business and you have to pay the people. Um, the they, other way, if it was the other way around and she was hosting a show and wanted him to be on there, I'm telling you, he would have expected to have gotten paid. Certainly, I mean, so, <laughs> right? But she uh, she appeared like you said with Shirley MacLaine playing Shirley MacLaine's mother. Right. And her final movie, um, and I uh, had it with me, and I can't find my notes here. Um, but she was, uh, let's see, what, what, it was What a Way to Go. What a Way to Go, right. What a Way to Go. And she still looked like uh, Margaret Dumont. <laughs> I mean, there was no age. Well, and you know, you, you're talking about the, the Hollywood Palace and the event, the, the, the pro that program she did with Groucho, which was in, it aired. In early night in the spring of 1965, but Margaret had passed away in March of that year, and but and she was sick when she was doing the taping. But she wouldn't have known that. I mean, no. you watch it now. You watch it now. You can't tell that Margaret is is ailing. No, she's laughing with the with the ad lib, so she knows. Right. You know, right. she's getting the joke. Um, I know Groucho never let facts stand in the way of a good story. Um, <laughs> he was Groucho Marx. I mean, he told stories like his own. Why, why do you think he and her made such a unique pair? I think you always need you always need a fantastic straight person, and she was that for him. You know, they did a couple of other films um, with Thelma Todd. They did uh, Animal Crackers, um, not Animal Crackers. Excuse me, they did. They did um, monkey business. They did monkey business, and they did horse feathers with Thelma Todd. But it still wasn't as those films were not as well received as they were with Margaret. Now she was real; her feelings were really hurt when she wasn't cast in that. But really, you know, Groucho would say to her, "Well, Margaret, this, you don't really, you know, femme fatale is really not your 
area of expertise. And I think she got that, but she, but she was still really hurt because they had such, they had such a chemistry together. I thought it was interesting as they went around in their career and so many articles would come out about them, how many articles noted that people believed that she was Mrs. Groucho Marx. Um, and, but, but in that same article, they said she was Mrs. Groucho Marx, but then they thought Groucho was also his, their son. So it's kind of of an odd article, odd articles to read. But um, yeah, I I think that chemistry can't be duplicated and it's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. And and I don't know how to explain it. It's like saying, would would um, would Martin have been who he was without Lewis? Would Costello have been who he was without Lou? You know, I mean, you just they go together and they had such a way of being able to do it. And I think it's because Margaret was exceptional at her job. And this is going to be this October when the book comes out. It's not exactly on her birthday, but this is going to be her 140th birthday this year. Yeah. 140th birthday. And, uh, but, but how wonderful is that, that that's why I wanted to do this book. I wanted to commemorate her life and, um, just just be able to to call attention to this amazing icon this this motion picture icon i mean she's one of those kind of people if you say margaret dumont people go who but you see margaret dumont and they go yes margaret dumont of course um you know it's so I, I, my favorite my favorite film that she did with Groucho was a day at the races oh, yeah. and um how much abuse she took on stage when they when they did a day at the races when they would travel around to make sure that the that the comedy worked, she took a great deal of abuse. Um, so, well, I you tell know. you, I tell you what, uh, Chris Enns is the author, and the book is Straight Lady: The Life and Times of Margaret Dumont, the Fifth Marx Brother. It comes out on October one. Officially, so you can pre-order it now at Amazon and also at BarnesNoble.com or wherever you buy your books at. Chris, and thank you for being on Light Camera Author tonight. Well, thank you very much. I, I hope that anybody that has any questions or wants more detail, they can go to my website at ChrisEnss.com. That's Chris, C-H-R-I-S-E-N-S-S.com. I'll be giving away free books in October. All right. And celebrate. Margaret's book, Margaret's birthday. So just drop me an email and I'll send you a book. Straight Lady, The Life and Times of Margaret Dumont, The Fifth Marx Brother, is written by Chris Enns and Howard Kazengian and published by the Lions Press. Until next time, I'm Jim Juno and this has been Lights Camera Author.